With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, folks. Happy Thursday. Uh, it was raining cats and dogs yesterday in Buffalo, but now it's sunny. It's a nice fall day, which are always welcome. Uh, we'll have Eck here. Uh, we're moving closer to the draft next Tuesday and unrestricted free agency next Friday. I'm sure the news is going to be coming hot and heavy this weekend and going through next week. Uh, we'll talk about that, uh, but start us off with a pre-show, Russ. Sure. Actually, I was going to drink out of this cup. Do you guys want to drink? Oh, <laughs> never mind. Um, let's, let's talk about baseball. So watching the Yankees-Indians game yesterday was intolerable. To the point where I actually turned on the MLB app and just listened to the Indians radio broadcast, which was delightful. Oh, come uh, on. You didn't listen to Sterling? No. Sterling. Let, me, let me just interject this. I, I did the same thing, and I turned on Sterling and, and Susan Waldman. They were complaining that the game was so long. They're in <laughs> New York. They're not- on the Indians broadcast, which was delightful. But anyhow. Uh, how, how long was – how wide was the gap between live action and – the call on no, the radio. I don't know because I, I walked away from the TV. It was so bad Five that I was willing seconds. to just listen to the rest of it on the radio. So here were some things that I, I picked up on that I just completely hated. Uh, A-Rod blaming three catching coaches on Gary Sanchez's bad defense that has been there from the beginning, and now that his offense is slipping, uh, he's blaming the catching coaches. He, he, he said, let me unpack this. And it's like, yeah, why don't you unpack this from a completely biased standpoint? That's one thing. So there's that. Matt Vescurgeon has no what, – what's the best word? Um, Business. No, no. No, it, it's like – it is like literally like listening to a guy in the bar call a game. There is no refinement to his call at all. And it just – it made me think about all the great announcers that we've ever had doing playoff games and – I, you know, you don't have to wow anybody with history. You've got 20 people in the backstage that could read you that and give you those stats. But just call a game, an entertaining game, without using, like, a slang term or something you made up every 12 seconds because you feel like you need to be noticed. And, boy, it, it was just so noticeable yesterday. I don't know how many times they had to say Grand Salami. Honestly, I've never heard anybody really use that on a professional broadcast because it's just stupid. Right. Well, okay, Jan, th- this is the thing. Just touching on one thing that Russ was talking about because we were going through this on the on the chat uh, yeah. yesterday. Um, listening, to, you know, listening to Ernie Harwell, which I did early, you know, early in my life on, on the radio when he was broadcasting the Tigers – uh, I was too young, too young to hear Red Barber or Mel Allen, but Jack Buck doing Cardinals games or doing games. Uh, I, I, he had a great call for Gibson's home run in the '88 World Series that was on the radio, just like Scully's fantastic call uh, Costas on NBC. I always loved having the backup game on NBC because Costas was so great, and he still does great. Yeah, Costas is terrific. Yeah, but 
Vaskurgeon with a with a rod with his just his you know sometimes because he played in the in the in the in the MLB for for you know 14 15 whatever years that you know he has some insight sure. but it's it's so soaked in his in his just like self love and oh my god I'm like I'm so great and here I know this stuff because I I mean I don't want to hear it from him it's a, and then Marley Rivera bringing in her like observations that I think somebody the guy banging the drum outside of progressive field could have given more insightful commentary the only thing that was good was Buster Olney actually the best part that I saw maybe Jan will agree is when they showed that guy getting arrested live I'm not sure they meant to do that but that was fantastic yeah, I saw that um so remember, I, I, I'm somewhat partial and I'm somewhat biased because, you know, A, I'm a Met fan, B, the booth that they have for the Met broadcast is probably the best trio yes, or one of the best trios that exists right now, right? And, and granted, years ago, you had Murphy, Connor, and Nelson, who was also really good. And look, Jack Buck was great. Look, I'm, you guys know I was a huge Kirby Puckett fan, so that call yes. will always stick with me because the call was great. Mm -hmm. I'm also partially listening to Scully because Vince Scully was not only his, his the announcer, but he was the play-by-play -play guy as well. But Scully so, could be dull. Like Scully in the yeah. 86 World Series, if you listen to some of the big moments, he wasn't that into it. Yeah, but he also let the crowd do a lot of the I talking at those games also, right? He didn't feel the need to self-promote himself and talk That's over true. the crowd, which is probably more the old-school announcers. Look, there are points that I think that A-Rod makes it really good because the insights I think he has from being a player – and the ability, he does somewhat try to do what Tony Romo does, where he tries to predict what's going to happen next. And there are more times than not that he's right because he was a player and he reads the situations. But in terms of the announcing, look, the, the calls about Gary Sanchez struggling behind the plate because he had three catching coaches. I mean, this is not like the NFL where you had to learn a whole new playbook. And if you have a, if you have an offensive coordinator three times in five years, you could struggle as a new player. I mean, that's not why Sanchez is struggling. He's just a poor catcher, even with the changes he made to go on one knee. So Vesturgan's not great. I mean, I thought he was better actually two years ago before he got the full-time gig. Once he's gotten the full -time, I think his, now he's comfortable. his balls have gone down a bit compared to what they used to be. Uh, look, I, I listen, uh, Rick Cliff has actually been pretty good times to listen to in the past. I think if you listen to some of the other games where they haven't had these guys on, it's actually been better. I mean, because TBS has the, has the TBS crew, which has actually at times been better than the ESPN crew. It has been. Actually, that home run call for Gary Sanchez was the worst I've ever heard in MLB history. And I understand there's a delay, but they knew that the wind was blowing out big time. And right. you could see that that ball was carrying. And all A-Rod said was, oh. No, I, what I what, – what I, okay. What I thought was the funniest part of it, and then we'll get then we'll get to hockey. The funniest part was the insightful uh, commentary of A-Rod where he's ripping – Sandy Alomar Jr., who is the substitute manager for Cleveland, pulling out Josh Naylor, who is a who is not a you know he's no superstar. He's just no. a good role player, but he's hot in the series. I think he had gone five for six. Five for five. He was five for his first five. Five for, five for six. And, okay. I, and I I ripped that move also. Well, right, right, but 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 okay. So it's lefty on lefty with Zach Britton and Naylor there. They pull. They put uh, Luplo in there. Who who kill who kills lefties? They the Yankees take out for some strange reason take out uh, uh, Britain and put in Loisaga instead of uh, Adavino because they don't have any have any confidence in Adavino right now and Luplo and and meanwhile A Rod is destroying Alomar for this move. Why don't you keep the hot guy in? What are you doing? And then Luplo hits a double and puts him in the lead and A Rod <laughs> doesn't say a goddamn thing. 
It's like yeah, it, also it, got lucky because Hicks completely misplayed that ball in center field. Sure, as well. but 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 it, but it was just it was just like oh I you know like, oh gee I know what I'm you know this is a terrible move and then then the move pays well I got to give Sandy Alomar credit he did I mean shut up all right let's <laughs> get rolling terrible. anyway all right uh, hello hockey world today is Thursday October first twenty twenty I'm Jan Levine and we see what happens when players leave the bubble <laughs> Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Eck will be joining us any moment. Uh, let's just talk about that, just to you know, not spend a lot of time on it. But, yeah, the Tampa Bay Lightning celebrated their Stanley Cup championship down in Tampa. There was, Now, it wasn't the traditional parade down the streets of downtown Tampa and ticker tape like the Canyon of Heroes when the Yankees win the championship or anything like that. They had it up. It was a boat, some sort of boat thing, Russ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you could have expected – that in Florida, where um, the regulations for the state have been pretty much eliminated, that everything is open, that it was going to be a shit show, and it was because you know there were a lot of people together. the the uh, The players were not feeling any pain because they were they were mm-hmm. drinking, and that, that's you know that's the, it was a normal celebration and. A lot of people are criticizing Tampa Bay and the and the players for having something normal in a that would be at a normal time for doing that when COVID is going on. Yeah, well, you remember I told Eck just because you're having it on water doesn't mean people weren't going to be jammed in the docks, and they were, and none of them were wearing masks. But the horrifying part really was sharing drinks with just any old Joe out of the Stanley Cup. It's like. That is the easiest way to pass any virus in the world. It is a known fact. That has been known since, like, you know, the 1930s. And they're just doing it drink after drink after drink. I don't care that they drank. I'm glad they had a good time. Alex Kalorn thanking DeSantis is going to age horribly. All those things were really dumb. And, again, if you went out there and risked your health, you could have watched at home. You could have. And, you know, that's up to you. That's that's your call. But again, the problem with this is how many people do they pass the virus to, even if they didn't get sick? That's what ends up showing up down the road. And that's the part where we've seen these super spreader events. That is the problem. Now, of course, um, Jan, a lot of now after the fact, we we find out some of the injuries that these players were going through. Um, uh, Julian Breesbaugh, the general manager of the Lightning, revealed that Stamkos had had sports hernia surgery prior to the pause and that he recovered from the injury but and was a full participant until phase two when we heard he got re-injured um, and he was battling through that. So that type of injury is very easy to, to recur. One twist of the hip, one turn the wrong way. So, okay. I'm sure if you ask Stamkos right now, if you ask the Lightning, it was worth it to put in there, put him in there, to, and, and they were fortunate to get the goal that they got, and then you know he was done for the rest of the series. I just think it's, you know, I, I think it's a little irresponsible, but now we know what what he was battling. Well, I mean, you could argue irresponsible, but you can't, but you can't disagree the boost that he may have gotten potentially, at least right. Tampa did, from the goal he scored and them winning that game, which could have. Turn, may have turned the tide in that series in terms of giving him the edge, right? So you're balancing its risk-reward like anything else. The only fact you now have is he might have also retweaked it again on that celebration. You saw it kind of win a little bit after the goal, the celebration going off the ice. 
as you mentioned, the question now becomes, when does next season start? I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit. And then does he have enough time to be fully healthy for the start of next season now that he had a couple of setbacks after having the hernia surgery? Right. A lot of times when guys have had that surgery and then had a tweak, they'd have to get another one to kind of fix it up. And so it wouldn't shock me if that happens too. But again, they're all going to say it's worth it and that's fine. It's his choice. But yeah, uh, will he start the season on time? If he gets operated on, it'll be close. If not, then he'll be fine. I mean, again, I can't kill the guy. He wanted to be a part of the Stanley Cup, and I get right. it. That, that basically trumps all, right? You, yes, you, it does. You, 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 you've missed your, you missed your opportunity previously. Yeah. You have another shot. We've talked before that you, have, you know, with Dallas, we said also, we have no idea when they're getting back again. It's just because we think Tampa is a great team. We saw what happened last year when they flamed out in the first round. So just because you're yep. the prohibitive favorite to make it doesn't obviously mean you're ever going to get there again. And he felt, and I rightly so, this may be my only other shot to have the opportunity to play. I have a shot to win a Stanley Cup. I'm going to want to get out on the ice, and then I'll deal with the ramifications after. Well, I'll tell you the one thing about Stamkos. He isn't that kind of guy that really wants to <clears throat> carry the cup around if he wasn't if he didn't feel like he was a big part of it, you know what I mean? Like if he, you know, had a broken leg, okay, there's nothing he can do. But if he felt like he could do something and didn't and was carrying a cup, he wouldn't feel as good about it. That's just the way that he is. He wanted to contribute in some way and he did. And that's what you got to give him credit for. Yeah. I'm sure. Uh, Cause on stage when he was making his statement, he said, you know, this is the reason I re-signed in Tampa to win a Stanley Cup. I'm sure the fans in Toronto who wanted him to, wanted him to sign there a few years ago were really appreciative of that of that comment. Um, I mean, who did Canadian Tire end up using in the ads anyhow? Did they end up using like Zach Hyman? Like who'd they use? Um, I think it was John Candy. Oh, wait, no, sorry, he's dead. Um, <laughs> uh, the other not all about the Maple Leafs, Michael. Yeah, yes, you yeah, sure it is. Uh, the uh, <laughs> the the other one, I, I would say that I, I give him a lot of kudos for battling through this. Tyler Sagan battled through wrist, hip, groin, and knee injuries. Wow, we knew we knew it was his hand or wrist. We talked about that, but I didn't know about the others. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And, well, again, we we've said a lot of times, right? The, the Stanley Cup is always a battle of attrition. That's what it is. It's yes. who can withstand or get past the injuries that they have, knowing that you're going to have a myriad of injuries, and we're never going to find out until afterwards just how bad those injuries were. And now that you, the word is coming out, you every year we're every year we're amazed at what they play through. Then every year it happens again, and we don't clear. Look, we never take it for granted because we expect it. But there are times we look up and go, "How are these guys performing?" In the manner in which they're performing given the myriad of ailments that they have. I mean, you just rent, reeled off four things on one guy, and every guy's clearly playing with something. You know, the, the interesting thing for me is, um, in regard to Sagan, is he still at five points, and towards the end of the Stanley Cup, he was playing better, yep. even with these injuries. Like, he just – that's the thing. He kept adjusting, I guess, the way he played to what his body was feeling. We knew it was the wrist when he was trying to shoot on the power play, and he just couldn't get a shot on net. But then when they were putting him in close – he all of a sudden was making some more things happen. So, yeah, a lot of credit to these guys. They're so gutsy. Yeah, and I I, I, I don't know who said this. I'll, I'll, I know there are restrictions in terms of a name of a player being on the cup. Like Nick Kiprios has always said, you know, I he, he got his name on the cup with the Rangers in 94 because he played in game seven. I would think that Stamkos, had he not played in that game in the final, 
would have had his name on the stand. No, he would have had his name. He was a team captain, so yeah. of course he would have. So, but but somebody in the chat was saying somebody on TSN was saying he had to play to get his name on the cup. No, it, you so know, like Matthew it, jo Joseph, who didn't get in the playoffs and I don't think played the requisite number of games, won't get his name on the cup. Right. It's not. It's not like 1967 where Terrell Ballard's dog TC Puck is on the cup. Right, they wanted to do away with that. Yeah, they, so there are certain restrictions, but when it's the although I put my dog on if I could, I mean, <laughs> but then if I put one of wait, my wait, dogs no, on, Perla, Perla, or or Kaya, right? That's the problem. I put one of them on, the other one's going to complain. <laughs> we'll never talk to you again, Russ. I know, and Anna will be pissed too. And they'll uh, all okay. be mad. They'll, yeah, there's issues there. It's cat discrimination. Okay, uh, John Shannon, uh, now we, we talked about this yesterday. Uh, X said he had been told by sources that the start of the NHL season would be January 18th. Uh, John Shannon came out and said today, uh, latest update that he had from the NHL was a January 1 start. Uh, that was the what was talked about on the call, uh, I, I guess, the, the Board of Governors on Monday. But he also said things change and they're ever-changing. So, it could end up being the middle of January. It could be earlier. It could be it could be December, depending on what the state governments and what the Canadian government decide in terms of restrictions. I mean, Russ, they're talking right now in Western New York. There was a court decision about uh, uh, people being able to go to bars to listen to bands. That mm -hmm. it was it was over. It, there was a ban from New York State. Now that's been overturned, and now people are saying. They want to go to Bills games like they are in, in Florida, like they are in a few other places. At a certain point, you know, the, these states are going to have to let things open. Well, and there are ways of doing things, Mike. Like I'm in a restrictive state in New Jersey, but I went to a concert. The concert was at a corporation's basically in their warehouse. They had the doors, the hangar doors open. So it was like an indoor, outdoor kind of thing. And People were far away from each other, and there was maybe, you know, I want to say 50 people there. And those kinds of things are possible. What is not going to be possible is having the Bills do a watch party like, the let's say, the Atlanta Braves fans are, having them sit right next to each other, next to each other, next to each other. At least the Bills are smarter than that, and they're deterring that because I know they'd want the money, but the idea is – you still have to protect people in the state. And and there is a fine line between all of that. And that's the, the hard part in all this. And that's why, yes, you could even still have Bill's watch parties. And if the Bill's wanted to, they could set them up safely. But it might not be worth their while. But it doesn't mean other companies can't. Well, well I mean, it's not just watch parties, Russ. It's the fact that there's watch parties without masks. Right? One, it's, well, it's I mean, that's one thing if you're next to each other, that's half bad. If each person had masks on, you'd be able to hopefully limit whatever the potential ramifications are, right? So the Bills, yeah. look, Jacksonville had some fans, right? That's because it's Florida. Kansas City had some fans. Miami. New York New York City has opened up restaurants to 25% capacity right now, but also a school today just announced that they had to close because of a COVID case, right? In in Manhattan, a public school is the first one in New York ever since things have kind of opened up a little bit. So it's finding that balance. And right? we talked a couple of times. The NBA has already said they're going to be moved back. We thought originally Christmas time, we're probably looking sometime in January as well. Man, I always yep. thought that January 1 seemed to be a relatively a valid start date, but yep. I wouldn't be surprised if mid-January also. And a lot of it is, you know, over the next couple of months, where we get with the vaccine, what kind of protocols, well, how long of a season do they want to play? Are we going to go the 82? Are you ending it early? Are you ending it late? I mean, and also, as we've seen, you know, players 
dealt with the bubble this year because you were dealing with an end status type of environment in order to award a Stanley Cup. Next year, you'd be literally starting the season that way. And we're going to know that players are not necessarily going to be segregated, segmented from their families for that extended period of time. I mean, think about it. Baseball is going to have 11,500 people at uh, basically in the World Series and, and also the in, the, in the LCS. And that's crazy. It's crazy. Right. I mean, well, you could say it was crazy yesterday watching that Yankees Indians game when you saw that there were people in the in the in the stadium and they would turn out to be the families of the Indians and the and the Yankee players. And when they shot to the picture of the of the families, I don't think many of them were wearing wearing masks. Now, I know that they're 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 in the bubble with the players. But, it's you know, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it, I think I think what I read, they were quarantined before they got there. Right. In order to be tested to make sure they were clear, right, and then that's why they were allowed to come in. Okay, I mean, at least there was some sort of methodology there, and yes, you would like to see masks. And but at this concert, they said once you sat down, you didn't have to wear the mask, but if you walked around, you did. I still wore mine, right. but I get it. There are going to be people that don't, and that's why you have to at least be apart. But now, again, I just think we're going down a bad road with this. I don't blame the NHL. If there's no vaccine by let's say middle of January or beginning of January when they're getting ready to start and they decide they're going to go with a distant crowd, I won't blame them at that point because at that point there's not much else you could do. But we know we're going to have a vaccine by the end of the month, Russ, and it's going to be beautiful, right? Yeah. It's going to be yeah. Um, now, okay, we have to sort of learn the lesson of what's going on with other sports and see how that that, that flips towards – a hockey when the se next season starts because right, hold on there's a post in the chat room Bardica said we finally closed strip clubs in Ontario he seems sad about that yes okay now, I gotta tell you in Philly Seafood, crabs all around no but I drove I drove by one in Philly and had, they had an outdoor tent which made me wonder <laughs> it did make me wonder <laughs> great I don't want to watch strippers on a, on a on a big screen TV um okay no no learn, learning learning a lesson from other sports we we talked about it briefly yesterday the uh the positives with the Tennessee Titans apparently the Minnesota Vikings none of the players were tested positive but uh they do, they're delaying the the Titans next game I think it's against Pittsburgh until Monday or Tuesday at least that's tentatively what's going on the interesting thing that's going on in the KHL Russ I don't know if you saw this uh, Dinamo Riga was is supposed to play Minsk. Uh, they had a number of positives. Yeah, Minsk did. So what? Or, or, or Riga did. So what they ended up doing is basically calling up every player that was a, a scratch or from their junior team to fill in to play KHL games. Now I wonder whether, and I, I don't think you know, I I don't think this is going to be the case, but. You know, we're probably are we gonna is the NHL gonna have the taxi squad like MLB had, and with they might positive since the AHL won't be won't be going at that point. May maybe maybe won't be I, I would say if the CHL and AHL are not going at that point, then like we talked about yesterday, you have to give these guys an opportunity to play, and you shouldn't have that ten game rule, and you shouldn't have any rule. You should suspend it all until those leagues officially start up, and then you start the clock. I honestly think that that's probably what is going to happen. In the NHL, if they feel like, hey, there's a chance that, you know, they teams could lose players, especially if they're going to travel and be on the road. I mean, again, you can make the argument teams are going to have to travel with three goalies. They're not going to have they're not going to be able to go with an emergency goalie because that guy's not going to ever be tested or quarantined or anything. So teams are now going to have to have at least three goalies on their roster if 
we don't have a vaccine. I could see that being the case for a lot of them. Well, gee, Jan, the, the Rangers were in a perfect spot. The three goalies. Oh, you, oh, wait a second. That's right. No, but you can see what I'm. I mean, you don't Hold want to. You don't want the slide over there, Mike. Yeah, no, but I mean, you have one right now. Look, I get that you don't want the third goalie to be making like five million bucks. Eight, yeah. eight and a half million, yeah. Right. Okay. It was but a perfect still, situation, other than the eight point five million dollars. Right. Yeah. The, so I could see other teams wanting to do that and changing that, and they would do that if the roster size is <laughs> bigger, right? I think part of that's going to depend whether or not the AHL has started also, right? That that may drive. I mean, it looks like February. It looks like February for the AHL. Right. Yeah, and the and probably with that in that case, the AHL is probably playing a shortened season and probably about 50, yeah. 60 games. You know, they they need those buildings to be open and for people to be in them for them to sur- them to survive. Now, okay, um, some interesting news and notes here. Um, this is a little surprising. Uh, I saw that uh, Frank Cervelli was reporting that um, Brian Nugent Hopkins and the Oilers are discussing a contract extension. Um, now he's making six million dollars. He signed that deal a long time ago. Remember when they signed? The, you know, it was the Taylor Hall deal. It was the deal for I think Sam Gagne was was a, a that amount as well, and then Nugent Hopkins as well. And obviously, Gagne's gone. Hall is gone, but uh, he's but. Uh, um, He's still there. Um, he's entering the final year of his contract, and obviously he's a valuable number two uh, behind uh, behind McDavid if they play Dreisaitl on the wing. But if they play Dreisaitl at center and, and they don't play him on the same line, then you're talking about Nugent Hopkins being a third-line center, and I can't see playing a third-line center $6 bucks. Now, if they play him on the wing, I mean, it all depends on where they're going to play him and how they're going to structure things, Russ. But – you know, and, and they do have some cap space and they'll have some money dropping off next year. But I can't sign him for $6 million if he's going to be a third-line center. No, I think this is going to depend on what Yamamoto can do this year because if Yamamoto proves he could be an NHL winger full-time, then you should have Dreisaitl as your second center and then you don't need Nugent Hopkins anymore. That's the reality. That's the reality of what the cap would be. He's he's had a type of experience also. I don't want to pay Nugent Hopkins six million to be on the wing. I don't. I I, I can feel that. First, I think he's getting more than six million anyway. I don't think right. he's. I don't think he's staying for a flat for flat. If, if I'm paying seven million, let's say for a winger, that winger better get me like you know seventy points, and Nugent Hopkins can't do that. And uh, so, I, I, well, if he plays McDavid, he can. Right, but they they never they're not gonna they're not gonna do that just because they signed him. You know what and I mean? Well, but if you move Drysaddle to the second line, then you put Nugent Hopkins on the opposite side of him. He could also get seventy points. He could, but replacement cost on a winger is uh, a lot cheaper than replacement cost I, on a center. I, I think also you got to worry about was we talked about Clefbaum being hurt as well. Mm-hmm. They're gonna need to figure out what they do now. Granted, if he's out, they could put him on LTIR. Of course, that's that would be required. They could. Ownership to be willing to be paying extra money because of the fact you're just, you're just moving the cap space over there until he comes back. But they will need a blue liner. And last year, as we've seen, they still also needed help defensively, which is something that impacted them in their playoffs. Yeah. The other thing is, remember, Tyler Benson's the center. And at some point, they may be able to use him as a third line center a lot cheaper than what they could use Nugent Hopkins for if they're able to build out for those other lines cheaper. At some point, because the, I don't think the cap's going up for a couple of years. I don't. I wouldn't pay Nugent Hopkins that money unless he was my second line center. But really, my second line center, and that is really me saying that Drysaddle is a full time winger now. 
and they may think Benson can handle that because he did have a he he had a good year two years ago in Bakersfield, sixty six points. Last year, thirty six points in forty seven games, and he played seven games for the Oilers. So, yeah. you know, maybe maybe they think he's capable of doing that within a year or two. But yeah, I mean, he'll be twenty three, twenty four. Then, I mean, I think that's I think that's reasonable. I, I think they're going to probably ride it. They might ride out the whole season with Nugent Hopkins if they feel like they they have a good chance to go far in the playoffs. They'll probably just ride out the season with them and then play it by ear. Now the interesting issue uh, going to the Pittsburgh Penguins here is Jim Rutherford has come out and said he's going to qualify Matt Murray, so that maybe takes the heat off of them in terms of you know well, it's not the market price. We talked about that right now. Remember, I believe his salary was three point seven five, so the qualifying offer would be around four, a little over four million. Um, he's not going to want to sign that, but they at least retain their rights on him. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, let's just say this. They were not going to not qualify Matt Murray and let him walk. No way. Restricted free agent. He's a valuable commodity. But I think what's going on here is the market, with it being so flooded with goaltenders, Rutherford is not going to get the value he thinks he is with Murray unless he holds on to him until, say, August or sorry, uh, November or December and like everything falls into place. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think that could end up happening because as an example, if let's say he's making four, right? Let's just for argument's sake, let's say they give him four. Okay. So if you're a team that feels like you're really close to the cup, do you want to sign Matt Murray to three or four years of four where you feel like there's a little risk there because his game has trended down lately? Or are you going to sign Corey Crawford for a year for almost four? You probably might go Crawford for the year just because of the term and because he might have another good year in him. Russ, I think okay, I'll, I'll because everything with me is the Toronto perspective. I think if if Matt Murray is out there and it's three or four years at four million dollars, Kyle Dubas will be doing doing huzzas and handsprings. He was he would go for that in a second because if he could work a deal, yeah. Right. The the, 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 con the concern here is a goalie who is twenty six, who's won two Stanley Cups, is going to ask for six. And if he asks for six, maybe then he might get five and change. Right. Maybe he deserves it, but he's not going to, he'll get that from a team that's got boatloads of cap space and not, not from a team like Toronto, who's sort of up against it with the cap. So I, I think they can get a second round pick. And, you know, but that's, you know, Jan, I mean, for a goalie, I mean, okay, he had his worst year last year. Um, but for a goalie who's won two cups and been impressive in those two cups, that's a risk I'm worth taking. He's been impressive, but he's also had periods of time during the regular season where his play has been very uneven, which is why he lost a job, especially last year to Jerry. In addition, what are you doing with Anderson? You're getting him at five and a half million dollars per season. I mean, can you find a taker for Anderson? Well, I mean, see, again, and these are the general managers do this. These are the scenarios where, okay, you have to be prepared to make another move. If, like, especially with Toronto with their cap situation, if they're interested in a goaltender in free agency or in trade, they're talking to teams right now about Freddie mm -hmm. Anderson and basically saying, okay, if we go out and get a goalie, right. what are you giving me for Anderson? Th that deal, you know, we have a deal. If I get my goaltender. Yeah, but teams won't go full in and tell you everything that they're going to do when you say you're going to do something because something else might come along. They're never going to tell you, Mike. No, 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 no. Remember, if you've already gotten somebody, they also know that you now have to deal that asset, right. which also impacts to a certain extent the value you might get back. Now, granted, Eiserman did a great job you know, when he, when he had to move Martin St. Louis. right? He was able to extract a pretty good return from the Rangers, especially because right. St. Louis said he only wanted to go there. That's a rarity. 
more times than not, you have to take a haircut on what your expectations are because you have no choice but to move that asset. Yeah, and that's apparently that's what may be at work with uh, with Vegas because obviously they have you know if Leonard's going to be a free agent on October 9th, and if he reaches October 9th without a new contract, then he's on the market and everybody's going after him. We've heard the rumor of the five year deal with with Leonard, and obviously. You know, I, I heard something yesterday, I think it was Pierre Lebrun, who was saying, well, of course they're not announcing this deal because they want they want to trade Flurry, right. but they can't. If they announce the Leonard deal, then they then, then basically they have no leverage and and, and teams are going to decrease their offer for Flurry after they sign Leonard because they know they have to move Flurry. Yeah, but we already know that the deal is pretty much done, right? This is, this is not coming as a shock to anybody. So everybody's no. already factored that in. It's a known cost or a known known impactor because everybody knows that there is a deal just waiting for the formal signature or or at worst just to be announced. I mean, but again, teams are so tight to the cap that it, the difference between like Flurry and Murray and Crawford makes a difference to a team now salary wise whether they have to make another move or they can fit a guy under the cap. Yeah. And it's the guy that so teams are going to be settling here. Like teams are going to. Maybe have their sights set on one guy and end up with another guy. That's very possible. That difference of a million or a million and a half dollars on these deals could be the difference between you being able to sign a veteran guy who could play for you. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, yeah. the, the, these these teams, these teams up against, like I'm convinced Tampa, I'm convinced Toronto, and a few other teams that are going to be up against the cap, they're going to be destinations for veteran players like Dallas was last year with, with Corey Perry, like Tampa was with Shattenkirk and Shen and Bogosian and – you know, they they brought in a number of buyout contracts. Those guys are, in terms of a one-year ad, those are going to be valuable commodities. They, they, they help teams out, and they, they did help Dallas. They did help Tampa. So I, I think that that's – It's happened in the NBA also where you have your two or three superstars, and then you try to backfill with all the veterans who want to come there to have an opportunity to win a title. Now, the Oliver Ekman-Larsen talk is is interesting. I, I'm not sure I, – I, 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 I mentioned yesterday when Eck connected Ekman Larson and Kessel that that's a bridge too far because I don't know any team out there other than teams at the bottom of the of the cap floor. Right, in by the, the way, Mike, I do feel like you should, since you do talk from a per Toronto perspective, are yeah. you going to say anything about Curtis McElhaney winning a Stanley Cup or no? Oh, uh, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him. Uh, I mean, the guy I was sort of focused on was Luke Shen because you I know, know, but Curtis McElhaney, like, come yeah. on. Oh yeah. Hey, I'm, you know, but he wasn't, Hey, he wasn't good at, you know, he was not good enough. And Garrett Sparks was much better. Um, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but Oliver Ekman Larson, um, you know, this is a tough, there's that. This is a tough nut to crack when it comes to, you know, here's an all-star defenseman who was locked up on an eight year deal. Who's making eight and a quarter. Um, you know, I don't know whether Arizona is going to get full value back because everybody knows that they have to move salary. And that's the difficult thing here. I think they'll get value. I don't know if they'll get good value. And this is an all-star, 25-minute-a-night, top-pairing defenseman. And I don't know if they're going to get that value in a trade. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, this is like if you locked in your mortgage at a certain percentage and then three years later the percentage drops. The right. And then all of a sudden you look at that and you say, wow, that's that doesn't look good. At the time, the way the cap was and everything else was and the way Arizona was, this was not a bad signing. 
But now when you take into account that there's a flat cap and that Arizona is not going to be the same team, and now all of a sudden it doesn't look as good because it's hard. So it's not going to be easy. It's going to have to be like a multiplayer thing because yeah. it's it's going to take more than one player on each side probably to balance this. And uh, with salary retention and all those other things. Yeah, well, and the one the one team I know that I think Ak you mentioned Edmonton uh, when it came to Ekman Larson, the team that popped up a couple yeah. times with him is <clears throat> Boston, and they Boston has the cap space and they're letting Krug walk, and basically it sounds like they'd be willing to give the money that Krug would be looking for to Ekman Larson, which makes basically says they think Ekman Larson's a better defenseman than Krug, more well rounded, and I think they're right, but. You know, eight and a quarter for them, that's the highest paid salary. That's more than Pasternak. That's more than Marchand. That's more than Bergeron. So it sort of throws their cap out of whack. But after next year, Krejci's seven million drops off. And, you know, so and so does Rask's seven million. So they be in a decent, DB in decent shape in terms of their cap. Yeah, they're going to be all right moving forward. This year is going to be tricky for them, you know. Um, unless they, sure. unless they, unless they, trade Rask or unless they buy him out yeah you know, or to go for a cheaper goaltender I don't know I don't know I don't think they're going to trade him I think they're going to go back to him I don't think um I think they're going to go back to him for sure if that sounds like it at least um the one the one thing that I've been working on today is it is well let's start first of all start with Patrick Line who is um that yep. seems to be not something that's going to happen like right now it, it seems it's it, you know the more the more I look into it the more it seems like if if Line is going to get traded it's later, either yeah. after after, after the season. You know I don't even think it's a deadline deal. I think it's I think it's more or less the next year deal if if it's going to happen. I think they're willing. I think they're willing to give him one more year and see where he goes. I mean he's a, the, the, basically the problem is the value for him is where it is. You know, they look at him like a thirty goal scorer now. You know which is what he was. After. Well, that's that's risky act because okay, say for example now he's. He's locked in. I think it's six point seven five for this year. Then he's a restricted free agent. I, I, I don't know whether it's arbitration eligible, but I believe I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you if you go if you go in and he has he scores forty goals, which is what you know well within the possibility. Sure. Okay. And he's eligible for arbitration, and I'm looking to see if he is or not. Um, then he could, uh, you know, take the reward for two years and walk as a UFA. He could right. do that. He could just walk to free agency. I'll take it this year. I'll take it next year and see you later. Well, I guess there's just enough uncertainty with him, you know, that, you know, okay, you wanted to, if, he, if he's going to play hard for a contract, that's going to give you a, a really good year out of him. If he gets 40, 50 goals or whatever, that's something that you can take to the bank. You know, that's good. He's, ar- try he's, to make arbitration. he's arbitration eligible. Okay. So, yeah. So you really want him, you really want to see him push harder for one more year, I think, before you go crazy on him and also before you trade him. I think that, that the reality is, and that sounds, this sounds way more like Shevel Dayaf than all this other stuff that I've been hearing. I mean, that's, to me, that's very much in his wheelhouse to be that way. The concern, okay, but th- this is the question I have to everybody. The concerns about line A, how do they change after another year? Say he scores 35, 40 goals. Okay. Uh, unless he all of a sudden becomes a, like a two-way monster, which I don't expect that. He's a scorer. He's just, he's no, a, but he's a 50 goal scorer. Like he's got to be like a 50 goal scorer really is what you're looking at. You're looking at a guy who is one of the top goal scorers in the league type players. And if he's, if he's a 30 goal scorer, he's not that. Yeah. He has to give you a Vetchkin type output. But he's got to be forties, you know, to 50, that area. Yeah. And, and there are not any players that have to be that way because, but you, like you say, he doesn't bring defense to you. He's just, he's a pure goal scorer. That's what he is. 
But he's not. But okay, and I, I saw this complaint from apparently Line A was complaining at some point during the season that he didn't play with Shifley, and then once Little got hurt, they really didn't have a center to get him the puck. Okay, right. they have to go out and get a second line center. How are they going to get the second line center? Well, by trading Line A. Well, unless they can get, unless they go out and trade yeah, for Eric Stepan or somebody like that, they don't have a second line center to get him the puck, and they want him to score goals. So how can he score goals unless he plays with Shifley? And they don't want, really don't want to play him with Shifley. And as inconsistent as he was, he still put up 28 goals this year in 68 games. Yeah, he rebounded. He bet on himself, took a two-year deal because he rebounded from a poor season last yeah. year. He's probably at least a 35 goals score. Granted, he was hurt this year in the playoffs, which is why he missed the remainder of it. As you said, they don't have a second line center, right? So you're robbing Peter right. and Paul by getting rid of him. To me, I I don't know how you don't keep. Look, the problem is they have lots of wingers and not enough centers, and I'm not quite sure if dealing. Look, obviously, they, if you probably look on the face of it, Ehlers would probably be the one who would go. Connor's not going anywhere. Shifley's not going to go. And to me, I wouldn't be getting rid of Line A. And yeah. put all their eggs in one basket with little with that big contract they gave him a couple of years ago, which is probably yeah that was the bad conceived in terms of what they paid him. Yeah. yeah, that that one turned out bad. I could see Ehlers getting traded. I agree with you. Plus, he would bring a decent amount on the market. The thing about Liney is, if you're trading him, you you want him to be your big shot on the power play on on that on the one side. You want him to be on the ice as much as possible to score goals. Like that's it. He's going to get you some assists, but He's not going to get more than 25, 30. Like that's, that's what he's going to get you. So yeah, I mean, but again, like this year he had 35 assists. That's his career high. That's, that's around what, you know, that's the most you'll probably get out of him. Yeah, that's it. But that's, you know, again, so you do that's have to have fine. Like you said, Russ, Yeah. It's fine if he's getting 40 goals. Like if he's getting 40 plus goals, I mean, like, you know, he's got to be like, not just 40 goals. I'm going to say like mid 40 goals is where he wants to be, you know, right. in an 80 game season, or at least yeah. at that pace, you know, like basically. And, and they obviously, the game. <laughs> they obviously don't think that they have a second line center in their midst. I mean, uh, right. Lowry's a third line center and a good one. And, and Russ, I mean, I, are they disappointed in the pro in the, uh, progress of Roslovic. I mean, he can play center and he can play wing. He's probably a better winger, but he only had 29 points last year. So he skipped a lot of steps. And that's the thing about when he got to the NHL, you know, he didn't play a ton of games. So I think, I think you have to still see what he could do, but I think it's fair to say that they, they were probably a little over ambitious with him. The other thing I was looking into is, um, I mean, I wrote about this day too, Darcy Kemper, um, it does sound like they are not going to move him now. Like the the new GM Armstrong has decided that he's going to keep him. That he's going to, and it, which I think is smart. You know, I think honestly is the way to go. Well, he may be saying that. I mean, this is this could be a little. Uh, this is, this is what he has said. He's decided to people who have talked to him about it. Right, but I'm, okay. What I'm saying is he's putting it out there that he's going to keep him. There's that, just too many goalies. There's no market for him. Well, I, I mean, really, the, the way you're going to get for him is not worth it, and you can't replace him with anybody. It, if he's on the market, him, so. if, he's on, if he's on the market, he's one of the two or three best goalies. That's 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 what sets the market. It's Markstrom, it's Leonard, it's Kemper, and it's maybe one or two others. Those are the best of the of, on the list now. And he's also got the the advantage of him having a a set price point of under five million bucks for two years. I mean, I, I don't know. Like if if, if yeah. they think they can move Ekman Larson and save most of his eight million dollars, eight point two five million dollars salary, then it does make sense to keep Kemper because then you're you know you're saving money someplace else. Well, I think that I think that that is probably what's happening as well here. I think they're probably working together here. That Ekman Larson, they're starting to figure out where they could move him to. 
and they've decided, you know, that, that they want to keep Kemper. I mean, the, the thing that they're going to need to do is have a goalie. I mean, this is a team like that. <laughs> they have goalie. to have a goalie. I mean, yeah, a team like that needs a strong goalie, right? I mean, that's like – Yeah, I think if they have Ronta, he's going to miss a lot of games like he always does. He's injured a lot of games, and then they have no chance of being competitive. You know, like – No. They have to they have to stay competitive in any way they can. Well, you could say that they don't have a chance to be competitive if they trade away their best defenseman. Yeah, I mean, you could. But I think that at the end of the day, your goalie is still your goalie. Um, and you know, what, only so much he can do for sure, but he can do a lot. He proved he could do a lot last year. He played, he, he kept him in a lot. I of mean, games. I think he's good enough that because he's not a high end price goalie, that right. you should probably hold on to him because he's clicked with your market and yeah, work on some of the other things. But again, if that means you're trading OEL and Clayton Keller, it won't matter who's in that. Act. Yeah, no, I know. I know. Um, it's not, I mean, they've got, they've got so much. It's going to be such an interesting, interesting season for them. They have all the picks that they lost, coupled with the picks that they traded. They gave up right. a haul, right? They've lost the picks this year. They don't have a first round or a second round pick, I think, for the next two years. I mean, I'm not yeah. sure. Are they going to? Are they going to have just like a moment of silence when the number forty nine pick comes up? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I don't know what they're going to do. They should do something like that. Maybe they could have uh, run, you know, somebody's physical tape to say, you know, as a reason why they lost it. No, it's just going to be weird. We're it's not weird. It's yeah. really weird. No, what's going to happen? Say the pick is being skipped. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's going to happen is John Chayka is going to bolt into the Bell Center to go on stage and then realize the draft's not being held at the Bell Center. <laughs> it really does look like, by the way, the player that Tampa is most likely to give up is Sergachev, which is really crazy. Wow. Um, I've talked talked to two teams yesterday who talked to them about Sergachev. So. Well, if, if they're not, if they're not, if that's not the player they're going to give up, it's definitely the player that you know. That I guess some they of the other like people they out there were talking there. about. That there's a good player out there that they could be willing to trade. This well, is look, the guy, this look, is the guy that they're willing that they were talking about. Well, you know how good Hedman is, right? And, and look, McDonough had a very good series. He, he still did. produced five points in 22 games. He's no longer the offensive weapon no. that yeah. he was before. Grant and all the wear and tear in terms of the the physical series he went through with the Rangers is sooner or later going to catch up with him. So you're giving up. A young defenseman who you literally stole from Montreal from Jonathan Druin. I understand right. you need to create cap space. I would kind of think you would find any other option besides <laughs> him or Sorelli to potentially try to move. Unless you're moving yeah. – and, okay, Sergachev is a proven commodity now. He, was, he established himself the last year. He had a right. great playoff. You know, his payday is coming. Right. Tampa Bay is going to have a lot of suitors for him if they're really willing to trade him. And obviously with their situation, they're going to be asking teams for NHL-ready players on their entry-level contracts because that's all right. You know, So if they go to Colorado and Colorado is interested in, in Sergachev, Russ, they're going to ask for Bowen Byram. And they're not going to – I don't think they'll get him. But Yeah, but, I don't think they would get Byram. They, if they could get Timmons for him – that might satisfy both, and that would be an upgrade for Colorado. So maybe you could see Timmons and a pick or something. I, that's a possibility. Yeah, then that, yeah. that, that makes the most sense, like because they, they they will have to get one or two assets that are cheap but are quality, right? To, to maintain their level and a team that's got a lot of cap space. And Colorado has a lot of cap space. They have an Ian Cole who's contract is up at the end of next year right um, you know they they but they have byram and they have timmons but they're more of a now team now because yeah but you know the if they were to get sergachev it would alleviate the need to push byram in there in case he's like really close but right. they're not sure if he's ready yet and then that would help that situation right you just have to balance what you pay him versus your expectation of what you're paying mccarr in about a year 
Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, but you worry about it in a year, right? You but might win the Stanley well, Cup. You have the fact that they didn't know you have a flat cap also. They might go out and get Lundqvist and try and win the Stanley Cup. We don't know. But Jan, they could they could very they could very easily next year trade Eric Johnson and clear his six million. You know, yeah. there might you know there might well, be I wouldn't say easily. I think they can attempt it easily. Right. Easily. It won't be easy, but that modifier might not be true. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. Everybody knows they've got to make I mean, Makar Makar is probably on a five or six year deal gonna make like eight million dollars. He's gonna make that kind of money because he's that. Yeah. He might even make more than eight. He's going to make more than – he may get Shabbat money or more than Shabbat money. Yeah, I think he might get more. I think, I think he's going to get more. Yeah, than I think so too. I think he'll I mean, get the big, more the big, The big word feels like – you know, talking to, talk to three people today who said this weekend is going to be crazy. Like that this weekend is going to oh, be – Oh, yeah, like, there's no doubt. The, the crazy trade weekend. And it, they expect it will start tomorrow that, you know, that today there's just a lot of like groundwork being laid, people calling around trying to see what's out there. But tomorrow we're going to start seeing actual moves go on. So it's going to be – and really, I mean, I already was on the phone until one thirty today, trying to get into the here. So it's like completely. Tomorrow is going to be absolutely insane, and um, we'll see, you know, it's Land just got to if I make it hang out. They need to keep create and make sure you have enough cap room to keep him. Yeah. Sure. Well, Landis Cog has rebounded, so I think they will keep him now. I think you're yeah. right. A couple of years ago, you know, he still had to prove himself because he had that off year, but now he's he's back in good graces. I think. Yeah, and he's yeah. probably is at least a seven million dollar player. So there's a lot, there's a lot going on, guys. Well, I mean, I, act the, the goalie market really fascinates me, but it's sort of a it's, it's moving so slowly, Mike. It's crazy. Like that's the best thing about it. But it's, it's a domino. Domino. It's it's domino. The goalie market has to start moving. Domino effect. It has to start moving, though. I mean, well, it's like I mean, there may not be. Look, there's guys you could sign that would be out of the domino effect. Like as an example. If you just wanted Craig Anderson to a one-year deal, a team can sign him to a one-year deal, and it doesn't affect anybody else right. in the domino part. There are a few goalies like that, too. Jimmy Howard. Jimmy Howard. Yeah. I think Jimmy Howard, like if you find a guy for a million dollars, you can still potentially send him down and have no impact either if you try to pass him through waivers. I actually think Lundqvist is in that boat, yeah. too, because I think I think Lundqvist would, will sign before the ninth. Like I think because he's able to, you know, because he's bought right. out. Right. I think we're going to see him. Yeah, you know, so know, the goalies, you have you have the goalies that could be traded, which so that so you you the trades will likely occur around like between now and the draft. So you're talking you about act, you know, tell me this there. is this is what I think could happen with Lundquist. Once upon a time, Jackie Robinson was traded to the Giants, and he decided he would retire because he never wanted to play for the Giants. I think if the right team comes along for Lundquist, he'll go. Right, but I think he's going to be you know deciding do I want to play for this team and uproot my life a little bit? That's yeah. that's well, going to be the decision. Russ, I, Don, Don Meehan was on Toronto radio uh, this uh, this morning, and, you know, he's Lundquist's agent. And I did not get the vibe of, you know, Henrik is out there looking for another opportunity. You know, he didn't he didn't say anything that committed him either way. But what, you know, what I'm saying is it's going to have to be a perfect fit. It will. Where, you know, remember, he has not won a Stanley Cup. He probably wants to win a Stanley Cup. To me, if it's if Colorado is looking, or you know, I'm, I'm, there's other teams. I'm just using Colorado as the convenient yeah, example. Yeah, yeah. If Colorado thinks I need an upgrade over Grubauer or Francis, and and Lundqvist can come in and give me 40 games, then that makes sense for him, and it makes sense for them. But yeah. I, I don't know whether, whether you know you know he's going to Vancouver if Markstrom leaves, or he's going to Edmonton, or you know what I'm saying well, there's, there's he's going to go somewhere that's viewed as a, that's viewed as a Stanley Cup favorite, as gives him his best chance to win. Yes, the two yeah. teams we've talked about, right? One Colorado we've talked about for almost a year. The other team that's kind of gotten mentioned, depending on what happens with Flurry, 
is Vegas yes. as a potential backup to, to, to Leonard, or at least out West. In the East, I mean, the team Carolina has been mentioned. Could put this way, if by some chance Rask doesn't come back, Boston could be a possibility also. I'm not yeah. thinking it's going to happen, but it makes a lot of sense. We talked about it because it's an East Coast team. It's not far from home. It's not difficult to go from Boston to New York as if his family ends up staying there. Right. Those are the teams that kind of make the most sense based upon – I mean, granted, there's a lot more that he could sign in, but if you think about it logically, A, East Coast and wants to stay near home, B, West Coast and an opportunity that has a chance to win, those would seem to be the teams that would be the favorites. And isn't there a relationship between Leonard and Lundquist through, I think, Leonard? Yeah, his, his goalie yeah. coach was Leonard. His brother, I think, was Leonard. The Brooks wrote about in today's paper that it was his goalie coach, I think, for five years. Leonard's dad. Yep. Yeah. Even it's even really longer than that because when when Lundqvist goes over to Sweden, he talks to Leonard's father. It's just he doesn't call him his goalie coach there because he has a goalie coach here, but he's used him for a long time. Right. No. Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of I mean options. I think I think Lundqvist basically what I'm gathering right now is more or less teams calling up about Lundqvist than Lundqvist calling other teams, you know, where Teams are, you know, trying to make the pitch, basically saying this is why we this is why we'd like you to come here. And I think it, it fits in very well with what you said, Russ. Is like, you know, if somebody gives them the right decision or the yeah. right the right situation, the teams are going to try to sell themselves on him. They're going to they're going to yeah. try to say this is why we think you need to come here. Um, and you know, I think after what he went through this year, he's going to want a certain kind of assurance on gameplay. You know, like I think he wants to he doesn't want to be like the third goalie scratched on the team. He's not going to go to a situation. No. And the chat room's asking, like Funky's asking, what about Rask? I think Rask is staying where Rask is. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think the Bruins don't have any problem with Rask from what I was heard. I don't think anything's no, happening I mean, with that. I'm just saying, if whether or not anything does happen, you can see as an option. But I, I look, the speculation starts because of what happened with uh, Rask opting out because of family situation and this yeah. viewpoint or speculation that there was a rift between the team, which clearly did not look to be the case. No, it was not a riff. It was, it was no. legitimate. It was just a legitimate family issue. And it's, right, it's, right. And, 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 you know, Boston fans are slagging him for that. They're stupid. He's been a yeah. great goaltender for them. I, I don't understand it. Um, yeah. Funk, Funky in the chat uh, was referencing Athenasiu. There are reports that that uh, Ken Holland is shopping Athenasiu. Of course he's shopping him because he doesn't want to qualify him. That's why. I mean, and, and, yeah, no, he's still looking at – I mean – He's trying to recoup one of the two second round picks. And he, he didn't. Well, again, remember they made two trades, and both guys they get didn't really give them much of anything. Right. In, in, down the stretch, or in the but playoffs. He was trying. He was just trying to do something, and it didn't work out. Yeah, I mean, I like kind of like both the trades. I thought they were both good trades, and I, I just you know there was yeah, upside just, that didn't happen. That's you know that's the way they looked at it. Yeah, they viewed as adding speed to a team that was already fast to be able to tilt the ice. They just neither. Well, I think Ennis got hurt. And I yeah. he didn't do much of anything. I think he had one good game out of the games he played for them. Yeah, he, right. but he was, but he's a fourth liner. So I mean, he was a cheap fourth liner. So they didn't give up a lot. But at NSU, they gave up two second round picks. Yeah. They knew what his salary was, and they knew what it was to have to qualify him. So really, he painted himself into a corner with that with that uh, that trade. And I, I mean, it looks like Eisenman took him to the cleaners on that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are there are there are people out there. He's a very polarizing player at NSU, but. I think that there are there are teams out there that might still give him a shot. Um, so are there are any thoughts on the Wild shopping someone... Ryan Donato? Was a question in the chat room. Um, yeah. they're, they're not shopping Donato. I'll say that. But I will say um, that from what I've you know from what I heard that the, the Sharks have a lot of interest in Ryan Donato. Um, whether or not the Sharks make that deal happen, there's there have been some rumors today, and I think um, someone just texted me that Russo might have put them out as well. 
Um, but I heard the same things, and this this I heard this from somebody else today. And if Bruce's article posted before, I was going to put it out there, perhaps. But that the Sharks have talked about um, to, to to the Wild about Dubnik as well. So I don't know whether or not that's going to be. You know, the, the, the Sharks are definitely going finding a goalie. They're one of the teams that yeah. There's gonna, no question they're going to do something. Well, I mean, and well, they they have the cap space to be able to do that, and that would be perfect in the sense that Dubnik's got one year left in his contract. They could split the time between him and and Martin Jones. Right. It doesn't if it doesn't work out, they burn one more year off Martin Jones' contract, and they buy him out next year after exposing him in the expansion draft. You know, they they the cap hit will only be over six years instead of over eight. Right. There's nothing no, the chance they buy him out. What's interesting to me, Eck, with Donato is. I could see the Sharks being interested because they've had a lot of luck with college players yeah. and they scout them heavily and they yep. probably feel like, hey, even though he, he had a decent year, he did, there's still more upside there. And I yeah, think there they're, they're looking at it. Again, you have to use this guy on the power play if you want to get his full upside. Right. If you don't use him on the power play, you're not getting all you can get out of him. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you the name of somebody who I had heard – was going to be traded last year just before the deadline, and then he got hurt, and that scrapped the deal, and that was Thomas Hurdle. And um, I'm not saying, you know, it, it was in connection with Buffalo, but I, and it may be, the, may be a situation where San Jose would be willing to trade him. He's got two years left at $5.625 million. Yeah, I think it's possible. Yeah, um, I mean, it, that might be, you know, where they go in terms of a Dubnik Donato type of deal. I mean, if not that, I mean, I think Hurdle's name might be out there because, you know, maybe after two years, they're not going to be interested in reading. Well, re here's, here's an example. If we break it down for Donato, his shooting percentage was really good at 14.7 because he only got a little over 10 minutes of ice time and he had 14 goals. Seven were even strength. Oh, wait, sorry, not seven. All 14 were even strength. So he did get a little bit of power play time, but probably like the last 20 seconds every once in a while. But right. he only averaged a little over 10 minutes a game and had 14 goals. But if you give him more opportunity, he will get you more points. Yeah, now, I totally agree. That's and that, I think a lot of teams think that way. Um, the Pred Are the Predators going to be able to make a move for a center? Uh, or, or be able to move one of their centers? No, I don't think they are. I, no, I, 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 I don't think they can. I, I think they're going to buy out Kyle Turris. I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I'm from talking to them. I don't think they're going to buy anybody out. I think they're going to stay the course. Well, okay. Kyle Turris's contract is flat. No signing bonuses. The if they buy him out, it's two million dollars a year. It's over eight years, but it's two million dollars a year. So it's not prohibitive. Now, obviously, I think that that contract is impossible to trade. Nobody's going to trade for it. No. Yeah. But buying out, it, it doesn't hurt you that much. It's, you know, there are teams that have a lot more than $2 million in dead cap space, whether it's buyouts or retained salary or dead money after buyouts. So I don't think right. that kills them, Mac. I really don't. Yeah. I, also I, mean, I don't think it would either. But it, it, from, what I, from what I've heard, just in every, talking to everybody I can down there, they are just not that, you know. Well, that's the, it's the last resort. Act. But they do not want to buy anybody out. Now, they might end up having to do it. You're right. Um, I've not heard anything on Josh Anderson, guys. I no, don't. no. Actually, Yarmo had a quote. He said, Did he? Okay. "Yeah, he he's going to extend Dubois and Anderson, and after he does that, then he'll work at improving the team. So he clearly wants to get those guys under contract first, so he knows what he's got left cap wise, which is smart. Right. Yeah. Well, he's got a lot of he's got a lot of cap space because he's going to put uh, 
uh, Brandon Dubinsky on LTIR. But, I mean, the, the chatter out there is Anderson wants a lot more than somebody who only scored a goal in 26 games uh, should be should be asking for. And there has yeah. been chatter because long for a long time there's been a lot of rumors that Toronto has been interested in Josh Anderson. That There was, a, there, there was some interest in Andreas Janssen on the part of Columbus – and that would that deal sort of would make sense because the Leafs are looking to get bigger and tougher, and I think Anderson's capable of playing top six winger, and and Janssen makes three point four million dollars, and Columbus has the space, so that kind of deal might make sense. Anderson's a, a torts kind of guy though, so Yarmo's going to have to really get yeah. torts on his side, or he's going to risk annoying him yeah. by trading him because that's the kind of guy that torts likes. Yeah, I agree, agree hundred percent. Um. Let's see, so we have this one. We don't really know this because we've heard we've talked about this a little bit before. Um, this, this is a big question for the draft, obviously. It, it seems like it's one of the like you know, if there's top three questions in the draft, this is one. Well, of okay, like, like I said, I Askarov is not going in the top three picks. No, here, here okay, I, my, my assertion is these, these teams between four and 15, you can make a case for them drafting him. Detroit at four, Ottawa at five. Um, maybe Anaheim because I don't know if they really have anything behind Gibson. Uh, New Jersey maybe because of Black, but Blackwood is their number one right now. But I mean, if they think that you know Askarov is going to take a couple years at least, uh, Buffalo definitely with Lukanen as their as their heir apparent, but he's a ways away. I, I don't think Winnipeg would take him at 10, maybe Minnesota. So you can make a case for almost every team. I, I put Edmonton too because even though the Nashville. common thought is, hey, Carolina <clears throat> is going to get him if he's there, yeah. there, there is still a thought out there with teams like, hey, I'm still drafting a Russian player. I still don't know when or how long it's going to take him to come over. Yep. How high am I willing to go here and how long am I willing to wait? They all know he's good. That's not the issue. And so Carolina may opt for a roster player in two years rather than a goalie in four years. Cause he, he, you right. know, he may not want to come over to the NHL right away. Carolina might say, Hey, we're ready for you next year. And he might say, yeah, I'm not on an ELC when I can get, you know, 2 million a year in the KHL. Like we, you know, those are the kind of complications we don't know about. Right, and the thing is, a team like a team like Winnipeg could be in a position where, you know, they, you know, since they have Hollabuck and Hollabuck is relatively young, they could be a team that says, okay, I'll trade down four or five slots to a team that is looking to draft Askarov, but it's going to cost you. Right. So, I mean, a team like you know Nashville at eleven, who's you know, what do they? You know, you got Saros and you got an aging Rene. Uh, Florida probably not because they have Spencer Knight, but Carolina, Edmonton, Toronto, 13, 14, 15, they could all trade up into that top 10 spot to take Askarov. And everybody I hear, Russ, is saying he's the best goaltending prospect to be drafted since Carey Price. I don't know if that's hyperbole, but – I mean, it, it, it's a little bit hyperbole until we see a little more. I mean, that's a awfully lofty goal, let's just say that. Right. But I think the other thing is what's largely being overlooked here, and I think there's a couple of writers – in Carolina that are, that are passing this around that we don't know is true is they're basically, you know, they drafted a goalie in the second round last year, Pierre Kochikov, who plays in the KHL right. and he is a really good goalie. Now he didn't have the greatest year, but does that mean they're just going to say, Oh yeah, 
we're 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 done with him and we don't think he's going to be much after right. they put right. a second round pick in him probably and not that, yeah. and that's and that's the dilemma that these general managers have kevin adams is the new gm in buffalo Ukapekalukanen was a was a bottle draft pick. Now he was a goal a CHL goalie of the year. He is a well regarded prospect. He had hip yeah. surgery. He only played about I think less than ten games in the AHL. They want him to play a full year in the AHL next year. He could very well be a you know grade A number one starting goaltender in the NHL in two or three years. But sure. do, you, do you roll the dice and think that he's going to do that, or if this guy is as good as everybody says he is, do you take him? If you're Buffalo at eight, it's that that's the decision that GMs have to make. Yeah, it's a tough decision. And as an example, right now, this year, uh, Kalchikov has a 909 save percentage and a 269 goals against. He's 21 years old. He's playing every day in the KHL. So, like, are they going to rush out and get another goalie? I don't know about that. I mean, that's where, yeah. that, you know, that's why I don't think Carolina's a lock for that. Unless they decide, okay, yeah, you know what? We're just going to have a lot of goalies in the system. And they might. Right. They could. Jan, what are, what, okay, what are the Rangers? I got to go, guys. Um, I'll, sorry. We'll, we'll finish this now. We guys finish up. We'll be back again tomorrow. Um, we'll talk some prospects tomorrow, too. And uh, okay. we'll talk to you then. Thanks, guys. Sorry. Sounds good. Yeah. And just to answer Funky, Spencer Knight's still highly rated. Yeah. I think he would be in the, in the league next year, even, if there wasn't that guy Bob there. But – It'll be interesting to see what they do with him, whether they make him a backup or they have him go play somewhere else so he can play more games. That'll be an interesting call. So, Jan, okay, so now, right now, the Rangers have $23 million in cap space. Yep. Okay. Um, what, are they, what do they do with that? Um, I, honestly, Russ and I probably will have the same answer. We both don't have an idea, right? Depends. Right. Are they keeping Strom or are they looking to get a second-line center? Are they keeping D'Angelo, or are they going to move him to get a, a get a first line, first pair left-handed defenseman to go with it? Right? They've created room where they could keep both of those guys. Part of that money is clearly going to go to keep Gorgiev, but I don't, but it's clearly not going to be obviously twenty-three million. It's going to be probably another mill or two above his ELC that he was on last year. Could they now try to re-sign Jesper Fast? I think so. My yeah, I think opinion, now Fast gets. I, re-signed. I would probably take a run, honestly, at Matt Martin. Because they do need an identity on the fourth line. They yep, need somebody who can change the change the landscape and change the game over. They and, don't have guys that fill that. Now, granted, you have Lemieux. Lemieux, unfortunately, to my opinion, goes way, goes over the line way more than Martin does. But you could see a Lemieux's not going to cost you a ton. He's coming off his ELC. I don't think he earned a big raise. You can put those two guys on a fourth line and have us try to grab a fourth line center that's more of a physical type player, and you can really have a true fourth line because Quinn has not used the four lines properly, whether or not they go for fast, I don't know. But I do think from what I've heard, they're going to try to be creative. I do think they're going to be aggressive in the marketplace and look to bring in big name guys or guys. Look, Sean Monaghan is a guy they could go after. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is a guy they could go after, depending yeah. on if you, either one of those guys is a true second line center. And they believe that Strom is a product solely of playing with Perrin. And now the guy they want to extend the long-term deal. They also could both D'Angelo and Strom, they are RFAs with arbitration. You could offer them one or two year deals and sign them on a short term contract, knowing that you're freeing up another four or five, four and a half million dollars or 4.37 to 5 million from Brendan Smith after the season, also. So, New York has afforded themselves the ability to be aggressive in the marketplace if they want to, cognizant that they do free up some more room and they're not like hindered by big contracts for down the road as well. Yeah, well, I think, I think the, the issue is you probably need to go up to Panarin and say, honestly, 
is it worth it to us to keep strong with you for the next few years? Or do we risk trying to make a trade or even seeing if Heedle at some point is ready for that job? Like, I think that's because, because we know that some of the other guys they received in trades uh, aren't going to be second line center. So we, that, you know, so that's, that's out, but Heedle, you never know. Look, Zabatajad, there was a lot of question about whether he could ever play first line center. And he's answered that himself. Yep. Because Ottawa obviously didn't think they he could. Right. And the and, issue is going to be his deal is up in another two years, and are you going to be willing to pay him $10 million? Now, the only hindrance with him is – sorry, the two hindrances are one is age, and he's by about 29 or 30 when that deal expires, and B, we all know he's had the concussion history, right? So if, God forbid, he has another injury, that would be a precluding factor as to whether or not he's extending him. But I do think there's significant questions as to whether or not Heedle's going to be a center or a winger. Those have not yet been answered. Um, to me, Brett Howden is more of a fourth-line player than a third-line player. It is right. he definitely is. a fourth-line center between whoever they bring in. And then you have Heedle as your third-line center, depending on if you go with Strom or you go out and get a Monaghan. But with the pipeline that exists right now and the fact that you have Shishjerkin on an ELC and don't have to worry about paying him big dollars, you do have the flexibility to go out in the marketplace and bring some in because you have $23 million in cap room. It's going to be weird that their backup goaltender in Georgiev is going to make more money than their starter in Shashurkin. So, look, I mean, it wouldn't shock me with Lafreniere now being there if they trade Kratzoff to get that center. Wouldn't shock me at all because if there's a team that has a guy that has one year left on the deal and they would and they're interested in a guy like Kratzoff down the line and a draft pick, I could see the Rangers doing that. And because again, they're right now. The Rangers didn't expect to get Lafreniere, so that does sort of change their their future plans. That's a that's a free agent pickup right there. Yeah, yeah right. they have the twenty second pick, which I think they're going to use, and I think they're going to be aggressive. Yeah, they'll use it. Using that as an asset or a chip to either a look, they could move down in the draft because they don't have a second round pick with they dealt in the Adam Fox deal. They don't have a second round pick next year now also because they moved Mark Stahl's deal. They could move down depending on the draft pans out um, and try to recoup a second round pick in the inverse of what they did to get Keandre Miller, who by the way. You have Miller, you have Lundqvist, you have Robbins, you have, you have Renunin, yeah. you have a lot, you have Kraftsoff, you have you have Capo, you have a lot of young guys who are there or coming up. They're on the cusp, they're all close. Yep, so you, you have that flexibility to go out. Look, if somebody, would I offer Kraftsoff for Nugent Hopkins? Me personally? No, I wouldn't to get a guy who's got one year left on a deal. Is it feasible? They think that's just Durkin is the difference maker and the East is wide open, even though Tampa would still seem to be the favorite for years. I could see them making a move like that depending on what you want to do with Strom. Well, Matt Martin would be an interesting ad because he wouldn't have to move out of the New York area, and he would definitely please his father-in-law if he did. No, no, but the idea would be, um, Jan, just to go further, it's not like you're trading Kratzoff for a guy just with one year in the deal. You're hoping that the guy you get, right. you would resign. You would resign, right. And that will all be contingent potentially on whether or not you would Because resign. I think Kratzoff – You'd have to figure out the Strom situation as well, unless you have one of them be a 3C for a year, and you have Hedo play the wing. Right now, you also have Kreider, Panera, Lafreniere, all of them play left wing. Right. I think I think right, right now the, – The other possibility, as I've heard, is, you know, people have talked about moving to the book now, who I think, has he lived up to potential expectations? No. I think third-line, third-round pick in terms of what he's produced so far, and the guy was on pace for 25 or so goals last year, I do still think there's another level he can get to, though it's been choppy, and he hasn't been linear in terms of his advancement. Uh, but I do think what you, he, he he disappears too often. But I do think what he does have is I think you're discounting him at $3 million this year in terms of what he produces compared to what your expectations might have been. Mm -hmm. Who was the player? Because I couldn't hear it. 
Buknevich. Oh, Buknevich. Yeah. No, I actually, I hope that they do give him a contract because I think he did show towards the end, especially what his worth is. And I think that his physical strength now has improved so much in the last two years that it has helped his game and helped him find space. So I, I do think he is a guy, at least for two more years, that they need him until these other guys really start to to show something. Because even Kratzoff, he's not a guarantee for the NHL next year. Like he's going to have to really prove himself this year and then prove he could actually make it in camp. He might have to get another look at the end of his season with the KHL in the AHL just to prove them. I don't is, now that the Rangers are deeper, I don't know if they're putting them right on the roster. Is the is the thought last thing here is the thought that with Lafreniere and I believe Lafreniere um projects out to be a left winger in the NHL yep. um that they're going to move Panarin to the right side and have Kreider and Lafreniere and I don't know they, what they're going to do. The problem is I don't think Panarin is really a guy who's if you look at the way he plays in the one-timers when they swapped him and Zabinijad they struggled. Right, right. Aaron is much better on the left side based upon the way he sets up and his skill set level. Um, I don't know whether or not Lafreniere can move. It's going to be interesting because, good look, when they re-signed Kreider, clearly this was never an expectation. Sure. The, the interesting question is if they if they would have had any remote sense of expectation that they were getting Lafreniere, I don't know whether or not they would have re-signed Kreider. I wanted him to stay, but now you kind of got a little bit of a logjam on the left side, and Kreider is here for seven more years. Right. What what I would do is put Lafreniere on the second line, not mess up Panarin, and move Kreider to the third line and let him play with Kako and let him get Kako going the right way because right. I don't want Kako and Lafreniere going, especially because I don't know who that center is going to be because that's going to be key to the development. And so I've got to have some veterans playing with Lafreniere. And so you, I, you could have you could have a Heedle – Kako, Kreider, third line potential. That's, and that's good. I would, And you put Kreider in charge of those guys and say, hey, listen, you've got to help these guys find their way. And I think that that's a good line. Okay, last question here. Any any news of what the Leafs are going to do with this? <laughs> lots, lots of things. That's a, that's all I'll say. All right. Um, thanks to all the questions. I, I think they called Roman Pollock already. I'm not sure. <laughs> He's asking for a no-trade clause. For – for The Departed Eklund, for Jan Levine, for Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Thank you for watching, and remember... Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.